Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is episode 81 of Franco's World. Today's episode is very interesting because I'm bringing a very interesting guy along. We just did a little Zoom show thing, whatever, last week. We had a lot of fun and we joked around after, so decided to bring him on and uh, share him to you, my audience. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Levy. Matt, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Happy to be shared with your audience. Oh, it's vast. It's very vast. And we're very, uh, we're also elitist. We're very smart. So you better bring your A game, pal. I'm here. I'm here for the the smart audience, dude. That's what I'm all about. But uh, you can follow Matt at MattLevy51 on Twitter. And I got to tell you something, folks. Okay, let's be real for a second. He's a great follow. This guy, I mean, he just had a tweet pop off to the moon. What was that one about? It's really weird that it did out of nowhere, but basically I took uh, an improv class and this one guy in the class made every single scene about high school reunions <laughs> and I just imagined that he was preparing for a high school reunion <laughs> and wanted to know every single situation or scenario that he could find himself in. That, I mean, that's so like niche and the fact that it like blew up like that, aren't those the ones that feel like the absolute best? I've never had a viral tweet, but I imagine those are the ones that feel the best. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on what going viral is like. Uh, it's not as great as you think, unfortunately. Huh. It's cool. Yeah, for a second, it's like, whoa. But to be honest, it's very ephemeral. Like, all these people like like 14 of the tweets within the thread but nobody follows you which is fine Aww. i don't i mean twitter gives you the platform i can't be angry but then twitter also kind of limits how many people you can follow mm-hmm. and they like shut you down so after a while you can't even follow people back and you can't even really capitalize on twitter in a way that is kind of like getting you to the next level you get like oh 100 new followers three new youtube subscribers actually do like the here's my soundcloud part of it but, <laughs> right i always feel so i was like i look at those when i see people do that and i'm just like i understand but like it has to feel so awkward to be like oh so by the way, I do this yeah i don't just do this one tweet please pay <laughs> attention like, oh, while i while i have you here this is my this, one moment <laughs> this is not an accident okay i planned for this to happen yes uh, I actually woke up at like 6 a.m. the other morning. I was like, fuck, I got to do a better, this is my SoundCloud. And I, I did it at 6 in the morning in my bed. It was so sad. That's that, the I, I understand what it's like, though, because I, uh, I'm i on the TikTok app. And I one of my mm-hmm. very first videos, I'd say like my fifth video, got 1.2 million views, like 100,000 likes. Right. And I've just been trying to capture lightning in a bottle since. May I tell you a... Uh, and it's conspiracy funny. theory it's, hold on it's funny because that it was a joke about high school reunions this is full circle was it really yeah. share the joke what was the joke oh it was uh i recently got kicked out of my high school re, uh like my high school class facebook group the other day because they said we couldn't have a five-year reunion because some lost funds uh like the funds came up missing and so we could either all get together and bring in covered dish or we could just schedule it for a later date at the 10-year mark and so i said at the bottom how about the one where we all mo- grow up and move on with our lives? Like I said, that <laughs> and, it, and it worked out pretty well. I'm obviously delivering it poorly, but it that was, was great. Funny. No, it's funny, man. Yeah, but that was the one that that worked for me. Um. Okay. So, should I shatter your dreams? Shatter a little bit. Shatter them, dude. Shatter. <laughs> I feel bad. Tell me. Some... No, I know what you're gonna tell me. Tell me I'm not hot enough to succeed on TikTok. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, I heard a theory that 
TikTok has every new user's videos go viral, so they become obsessed with the site. I don't know if they pad the stats or inflate them, but then you constantly are churning out new content for them because you're always chasing that high. It's like a little drug addiction. I don't know if it's real because I don't really use TikTok very much, but there is this phenomenon that pretty much everyone goes on. Your first few, they do, viral. I do know the a fact of the matter is your first few videos do have the most push. Yeah, they spike. And yeah. I bet if you created a new account with like a new IP address, you'd probably go viral again because they're probably just wired into so creating this world. Phone? I got to get a new phone. That might be the way, dude. Is that how I get a new IP address? I'm also an idiot. <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I, I actually have no idea how IP addresses truly work because I imagine your phone is like linked to your computer and you've synced everything up in some kind of way, but I am not an IT guy, really. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fair. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. This is where your, your fans can sound off in the comments. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the vast odd. Dude, the crazy thing is, is I have more followers on the TikTok app than I do both of my both Twitter and Instagram combined. Yeah. No, that makes com- total sense. Strangers from all over the world, right? Yeah. But now it's like... Yeah. And you know, I've had some other success on that app too. Like I've had, I've had uh, some get five hundred thousand views, or this hundred thousand, or this hundred thousand views, and stuff like that. And so it makes me think that like I can do well. Like I can get people to watch the show and stuff like that, or listen to the show. And then it's, but then you reveal this information to me, and now it's like they're just throwing me a bone to keep me addicted. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a deep dive to go down. I'm trying to, to figure game out. algorithm, though. I am totally gaming the algorithm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could game the algorithm by just creating a ton of new accounts. And then eventually just all these accounts draw people to this very podcast. That's the goal. And it, it could happen. Call, like uh, first click marketing, last click marketing. I don't. It's one of those marketing terms. I don't know. I miss what you said, actually. I don't know if you... Sorry, it's uh, not important. We'll skip past that. We'll skip past that. We can, <laughs> talk, about the talk. We can talk about the talk another time. But okay. uh, so, so I was going through uh, uh, all your Instagram stuff, and because I'm a, I'm a stalker and a creep, and I have to get to know about the people. And we were talking about this before the show. Um, your comedy therapy. Can you please uh, explain this to us, like we're ten years old? Explain your comedy therapy, <laughs> like we're like we're ten. No, no, explain it regularly. I'm just. i'll explain it for all ages right now (laughs) so uh for it's kind of a long story to get to it but uh about two years ago i started a comedy blog that's weekly called comedy stray notes that i update pretty religiously i think i've only missed once or twice in two years um and i just thought it's a little crazy that you know you do all this stuff and it goes unnoticed and there's no recaps of like the shows that you're on mm. and everything that you've seen and, you know, propping up people that are doing good stuff within the community. Like you doing this podcast is cool. Uh, but nice. you know, there's no one really giving like the proper shout outs or praise that things deserve. So I started this blog uh, that I put out mostly on Facebook, just like giving people an updated view on how comedy was going that week. And uh, I haven't stopped and I've found different ways that I could monetize this blog uh, in ways that 
I could grow and other people could grow as well. So during the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, man, it'd be amazing if instead of me doing all this writing, someone did this writing about me. And then I was like, that's a business idea right there. Wow. So I started a business called A Profile About You, where I started writing like New Yorker style profiles about comedians for mm-hmm. a small amount of money. Uh, I'd have them fill out like a questionnaire about themselves. And then I would fashion it into a piece and they would get final edit and I'd put it online and it did pretty well. Like MSNBC picked it up. It was pretty crazy. Wow. That's awesome, man. From, from a friend, I will say. It was my buddy that I used to work with hey, it don't at a restaurant that networks there. Brother. It pays to know But it was people. cool. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like strangers from all over the world reached out to me to have profiles. I ended up doing, I think I've done 52. Uh, not a crazy amount. It slowed down quite a bit after a while, but it was a lot of work for not a ton of money. Uh-huh. And then in June, I was like, what's another way that I could make this blog thing that I've kind of become more obsessed with than actually doing comedy into? And I had like a moment of inspiration. And I was like, I really just want to be more like a Judd Apatow than Seth Rogen kind of uh-huh. thing like you know we all wanted to be Seth Rogen I was like <laughs> I'd rather just be the guy that is the one that makes everyone else happen and I'm part of everyone's success rather than yeah. just my own so I uh, I took a page out of his playbook too by by interviewing comedians yeah exactly like you just get to soak in everyone else's knowledge exactly and kind of be a part of their their story when I was rather when than I was in own. college before I started doing the podcast I would like try to get a hold of comedians and I had some pretty decent guys like and, and talked to me for like an hour 45 minutes about everything under the sun and it was so cool that like I'm talking to a guy that gets to go on tour and do stand-up and it's like I it just soaked all that information in trying to get it through osmosis that I can myself become funny it, you can yeah I think that is the way because you just it's a sort of yes everyone has to be funny in their own unique way. But if you study enough, you can kind of figure out your taste and then your taste will sort of dictate what you become, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could look at the law of attraction where objects in motion stay in motion. If you're around the comedy community, you will become funnier. Yeah. As unfunny as this conversation has become. <laughs> it, it, eventually, got... <laughs> it might have a joke in it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, like Judd Apatow, like both of us are a, sort of aspire to be, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, I, I said something on the internet saying I am not quitting comedy, but I am kind of transitioning more toward a uh, helper role where I'd like to just talk to people about their career, see where they're at, uh, totally free of charge. And um, it can be anything and everything, like you said. We, we could discuss your bits. We can um, talk about if you want to do a special, like what your vision is for it. If you're interested in sketch or screenplays, I'm happy to read. Uh, If you want to just talk about your career, um, if you want to come up with a vision for your next five years exactly to the T, I want to be basically what is a therapist, a therapist would do for a client or a manager. So every comedian dreams of having like, you know, representation. I wanted to kind of cut out the middleman and just be the representation um, for anybody. 
And I did that for like a month and a half over Twitter DMs where I would just, I'd be messaging people for like nine straight hours. And I was wow. like, I should probably get paid for this. <laughs> so like I was, I was talking to pretty established people too. It was weird. Like I was giving advice to people that had significantly more success than me, but right. you know, was taking an active interest in their career. So I eventually just said, I am now going to do hour long zoom sessions for uh, $25. And uh, I've had clients every day for like the past, just about a month now. That's so and cool, man. That's awesome. booked up until like January 2nd. So, so it's cool. just pretty fun kind of going to this instead of, you know, worrying about, Oh, am I going to ever get booked again? Kind of thing because I don't really care anymore. It's yeah. kind of, well, uh, uh, a new phase. You found your own way, though. You found your own way. And exactly. You yeah. Be, you still get to be funny and be around comedy. Yeah, but uh, even a lot of the sessions aren't funny at all. To be okay. Well, honest. fair enough. But you still get to be around yeah. comedy. Yes. Yeah, I get to talk about my favorite thing for hours. That's that's so cool, man. Oh my god, it's gosh. pretty that's, great. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a really innovative idea, and the fact that you know the idea of cutting out the middleman and and the comedy market is a whole racket of, of take taking this and taking this, and then the actual act is left with you know breadcrumbs in comparison to what the management stuff bringing in. You know, a hundred percent true. Um, I I don't know if it's the managers that take so much, but it is hard to even get one. Like it feels like such a how does that happen kind of process? Like, well, I mean, it's definitely, need to be discovered. Is, it, is it like the nineties where it's like, Hey, so-and-so did really good on a stand uh, uh, on a show. And it's like, Hey, let's, uh, let's get him on uh, management. You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like that's exactly it. I was the booker. <laughs> I was the assistant to the booker at Caroline's for mm-hmm. two months before the pandemic. I had just gotten the job, but it seemed to me that a lot of these agents only heard about these people through word of mouth, like you were saying, yeah. and had no idea what was actually going on, what was good. They weren't comics themselves. I have no idea how they fell into these jobs. Yeah. But they dictate everything. It just blew my mind. Wow. Kind I of seeing the that. inside point of view. I was like, who are these people? They don't like comedy that much. They like money. It was just so confusing to me. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. If I were a basketball player, for those uh, out there looking for a sports reference, if I were a basketball <laughs> player, okay, why would I want some, like, I don't know, skeevy businessman guy running my stuff as opposed to a guy who maybe played a couple years in the league and then transitioned into a front office role? You know what I mean? True. I mean, that's what the NBA has really transitioned to as well. Gosh. Like a lot. I mean, I think... I feel bad because I forget the guy's name and I'm a Suns fan, but Oh, is it James Jones is the Suns GM? Sure. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, yeah. James Jones, former NBA player, Suns GM and Suns notoriously bad for like the past 10 years Mm -hmm. coming back. People are are coming to the franchise. Yeah. Well now, now you have uh, Suns 1.0 when the Suns were good uh, out in Brooklyn. Yes. (laughs) With Nash, Stoudemire, D'Antoni. Yeah, and I love D'Antoni. D'Antoni is my favorite basketball coach. And I'm very bummed that he's not a head man anymore. I like that he's, you know, kind of letting Steve flourish. He might leave after a year or two. 
Well, Dan, Tony's a West Virginia guy, and West Virginia guys, and I'm, I'm going to let you in this fraternity just because you're nice to me, but West Virginia okay. people stick together because there's not a lot of us that make it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to see the West Virginia Hall of Fame. It's just you and Mike D'Antoni. Me and Mike D'Antoni and uh, Randy <laughs> Moss. That's it. Oh, Randy Moss. Nice. Dream team right there. Exactly, man. But uh, <laughs> so, so you do these sessions and, you know, people – so how does like the whole, how does it start? So they come to you and do you give them like a questionnaire or do you like, it's like, Hey, we're meeting at this time. Let's get to talking. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. So someone will, I'll blog about it. And I say, I've been doing these sessions. They've been going well. I don't like to get, I don't give out anyone's name, mm-hmm, um, that is doing them. And I may give an example or two of some of the things that we've talked about that sort of are conversation starters. Like one that happened recently was we came, uh, uh, a client and I came up with a theory called the boomerang theory, which oh. is when you try to do something new in standup or just in comedy in general, but mostly standup because uh, it's kind of the most conservative in a weird way as much as it's about free speech, people really don't, or especially comics don't like you doing things that are different because it kind of intimidates them and scares them. Hmm. They're like you kind like, of have to play by like the rules. Playing music is intimidating. Sure. It's just like, you're different. So we don't oh, like okay. you. Got it. Got even it, though it's it. good. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I call it the boomerang theory though, because you do something different and you get further away from them. But the moment you achieve some modicum of a success, these people come right back to you like immediately they'll jump right back into, you know, treating you like you actually are important. And then they may even copy your style because it's been proven to work. Uh So there is this weird fear that certainly exists that anytime something original comes along, it's discredited because they don't want, they want to maybe subconsciously bully you into staying at their level and not doing anything oh, that, that's different a or creative. What it is. And they only, and when you come around your big time, they only want to be with you because they think you're a honey hole and they think they got a ticket to success. I have no success. This is just my outsider perspective. I think that's true. Like I imagine when Hannah Gadsby had uh, her moment, people were upset. Um, but I think a lot of people have come around and kind of embraced her style, maybe even taken from it. Mm-hmm. Like they hated Nanette, but like the amount of hate towards Nanette was like shocking to me. I was like, shouldn't we be, you know, praising a comedian that just, you know, shines a light on comedy, even if she's saying she's quitting? Like, it's great that people are paying attention to comedy again. They may pay attention to you as a result. That's What's the, the thing, point man. Of, and I, and of tearing it down. And I know you've listened to countless episodes of mine in the past, but I was talking to Net. No, I've said this a billion times, man, where the great thing about the internet and what's going on now is that it kind of took away some barriers to enter. And there's more art coming out now than any other time, which is fantastic. I want everyone to eat. The yeah. downside to that is the piece of the pie is very much smaller now. And people are worried that if so-and-so gets to the bowl before me, I will die. Yeah, that's a little sad, but I think it's just you have to work harder and find what makes you the only version that exists of whatever it is you're trying to achieve. 
and takes years. Really, Joey, gotta... Joey likes to use the golf analogy. How uh, comedy Ooh, like golf, how, because when you're playing golf, you're playing against yourself. Of course, you're not playing against Tiger Woods. Like his, you can't do anything to affect his score, and he can't do anything to affect your score. Yeah, you guys are on the same exact course, though. It's a great analogy. Yeah, I, I like that. I used to. I still think comedy is baseball, though. But that's just me. What's the baseball analogy? Oh, the baseball analogy. It's uh mostly mostly pitching. It's mostly pitching. Not so much <laughs> not so much not so much being like an everyday shortstop, but pitching the consistent pitchers are the ones that go out there every fifth day, but you know, comedy you're going up every night. But they go out right. there and you know, you might see a guy who's fastball, 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 but then he flames out really fast. You know what I mean? And then uh, uh, Okay, I like that. But then the most consistent ones and the best ones are the ones that um, are consistent professionals day in, day out for years, know how to limit damage, and right. also hit their spots. Pitching, it's a big thing, big thing called hitting your spots. So that's right. like, I know where I do well at. I'm going all in on the spots I do well at. Greg Maddox has thrown countless complete games, and he's he threw a no-hitter on like 84 pitches. Yeah, Maddox is a god. He's one of the best. Exactly. So I like I like to use the pitching analogy. That's me. Oh, no. You cut out. I, I said I like to use the pitching analogy. That's just me. I like that a lot. Um, I feel like a lot of pitchers like uh, have the the longevity and, you know, sort of build these weird careers like a Tim Wakefield. Yeah. Or an Jamie R.A. Dickey. Moyer. Jamie Moyer. Yeah. You know, they. my, my friend had a, a theory about comedy that you either make it in three years or 20 years, I'll say his name, Daniel J. Parafan. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, and uh, Three or 20, I feel like it's, wow. it's, it's the same for pitchers. Like you'll get like a, um, what was that Giants pitcher who was so good? Was it Matt Tim Lincoln? Oh, no. Tim Lincoln. Yeah, he won a couple Cy Youngs. Ha- yeah. Yeah, but then by like 2011, he was, he was out of the game. Completely he was done. Out yeah. of baseball. He was so good for like four years though. Well, look yeah. at uh, in the '90s, you had John Rocker, this elite closer, and then he just instantly gone. Yeah, and in comedy, when you make it in three years, you may not have really developed your voice, and or actually figured out what it is you want to do. You just kind of hit randomly, and you don't even really know why. And it's hard to replicate that forever. Oh, and, and you're swinging at every pitch too. You're just, anything's yeah. coming your way. You're just okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not laying it off and taking what you can get. You know what I mean? Sure. And I mean a good example of this, who's actually doing really well, is Pete Davidson. Like he was so young, and got everything, and has kind of figured out a way to make it all work. Yeah. Whereas we all expected him to flame out by now. I think he's. I, yeah, I think he would have flamed out by now if he was going to flame out. Yeah. Thank you. No, I don't think the flame's going to happen, man. I think, yeah. uh, I mean, who knows? But I think he's in for the long haul and knows how to play the game. Yeah. Even though, I'll be honest, I didn't love his last special. Uh, I, I didn't watch it, but uh, I heard the big jokes. I mean, like, I saw the big jokes about Ariana, which were good, but, like, I didn't, they were look, fun, yeah. I didn't listen to the whole special. I feel like in this era of specials, they've gotten better and better. To the point where it's like your special has to be incredible to kind of rise to the level of what even the average special is these days. Yeah, that makes sense. And that one felt pretty below average, if I'm being honest. 
That's fair. That's a fair take. Yeah. I do want to. I do want to get to the years thing because you were talking about the years, the three or twenty, which is very interesting. Um, I remember. Not my theory. I know. I know. I know. I know. Completely stolen. Completely stolen. Uh, we de- we Dane cooked it. We Dane cooked it. It is ours. Now. But uh, yeah. uh, we're just gonna keep dropping names. But uh, I'm not gonna say this guy's name because he's a bad guy. But he said, "Get up every day, and if you suck after four years, quit." So there was that theory. And then Steve Byrne told me, uh, he was like, if you don't have five minutes after three years, quit. That's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can stick it out for 20 years, but if you don't have at least some enjoyment slash success at it within three or four years, you may potentially be wasting your time. It is possible. Yeah. And it's a sad, it's a sad fact. I do, I do agree with that. Yeah. yeah. You should. I mean, making it in 20 years is not having five minutes. Making it in 20 years is like, you know, getting to a place where you have uh, a steady job and you're doing comedy full time. Oh, think. exactly. Yeah, that's the goal. And I've said that from the jump that like, you know, everyone has these aspirations to sell out the forum or sell out the garden or sell out these big things or have hit Netflix specials and tour the world. And that's all well and good. Uh, I like to be more realistic with my goals. I've always said if I could have a career where I can make people laugh for a living, then I win. I, I don't think that's it for me. That's, you know. I mean, if you want to do like a comedy therapy, that's a good jumping off point, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could we could, we could, could have my session be on air. I'll air it to people. I don't care. It's an open. You want to do it? Yeah, I don't care. Go ahead. Yeah, ask, ask me. Right. Ask me. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an open book. I, I what. I would like to think of myself as an existentialist that I have all these thought provoking <laughs> thoughts, but really I'm just like a guy who, who watches too many McConaughey interviews and thinks he knows. What he's talking about. Uh, that's funny. Um, okay. So you said your, your goal is to have a career where you can make people laugh and you're doing it in a professional way where it's just like your day job. You're making money, right? Not necessarily or, day job where it's like all nine to five, got to punch the clock and, and like, you know, make people laugh. I would like to do formal stand-up. That's just what I like. Okay. Um, and so stand-up is the goal for this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Theory. Okay. Great. Um, and Get have the you... Notepad out. Get the notepad out. I will give you time. Get the notepad out. Let's, let's dive into the past because I actually, unfortunately, don't know a ton about your comedy history. Have you made some money as a comedian thus far zero money on comedy i've only been paid in beers paid in beers all right not a sustainable income <laughs> no beer, i mean as much Unless as beer is a form of currency somewhere. they make you make it seem like you can in movies you can't do it gotcha um and at the at what at this point how many years into stand-up are you uh, I think I started when I was 20, 21, like t- on the edge, like 2021. 20, I think I started like just before my birthday. And the reason I did that, and I'm just giving you more material here to, to delve into because I heard when Seinfeld started and I was like, okay, I want to start before he did. Okay. Perfect. You needed to beat Jerry. Great. I did not need to beat Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay. Right, so. down. This guy is <laughs> an egotistical jerk. All right. <laughs> so you start, and how old are you now? I am 24. Okay, so you're about three years, roughly or so. Yeah, but I'm not able to do it consistently, unfortunately. Gotcha. And um, if we're being totally honest at this point, how good do you think you are? I think I could give you 
I could probably give you 10 minutes. I think I'd give you 10, maybe 12 if I stretch it. 10 or 12 good minutes of stand-up. And this is like a stu- your A stuff, right? Uh, I'm giving you my home run swing. I don't know if it's going to – if it's gonna. I the the litmus test it's not been ran through enough but the audience that I the audiences that I have delivered it to it's been well received I will say that that's that's good uh, I like that um, insert your clip right here uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> um, and what's the the biggest platform you've had thus far with stand up what do you mean like the biggest stage I've been on yeah did you have did you have you like opened for yeah anyone? I've opened I've opened for a couple guys okay and they didn't pay you for that. Yeah, I got paid in the beer for that. Got paid in beer. Got it. <laughs> that was um, that was. It was also a spur of the moment thing. I went because my buddy was hosting, and sure. I just showed up, and he was like, "Hey, dude, open for these guys." And I was like, "Okay, that's great. I love yeah. that." Um, all right. So you've got about twelve minutes. You're about three years in, and you want to make stand up your career, and you're twenty four. Frank, I got to tell you, buddy, it's impossible. No, dude, it's extremely possible. You've got a lot of experience for someone that's 24. That's you got a leg up on the game uh, because I feel like most 24-year-olds aren't as devoted. I mean, I don't know all 24-year-olds, but I can't imagine everyone is like, you know, really honing in on making it their thing. So well, I, I don't know. Definitely, I mean, definitely have a leg up. The people, no, I, I wouldn't say that because the people I follow that are like, there's people I follow that are younger than me or same age, slightly older than me that are like absolutely crushing it. And I don't turn over my baseball card to compare my stats to their stats. That's what I like to yeah. call it. I call it turning over the baseball card. But don't, don't keep Joey Rinalding it, man. No, 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 Make no. Sure comparison, yeah. comparison is the thief of joy. I'm not comparing myself to them. I'm just saying, like, fair. I wouldn't say I have a leg up on a competition. That's just me. Okay. That's totally fair then. But you're at least active and you're doing your thing. As much um, as I can, yes. Okay. So. Let's jump forward five years in the future. It's 2026 20, now, and you're going to be 29. Uh, but now you're also eight years into stand-up, yeah. which is pretty impressive. What have you accomplished in these five years? Are you asking me what I want to accomplish, or am I supposed I, I want to hear what, what you think you accomplished. Am I, yeah. am I, okay. Hmm. Yeah, man. Visualize it. The five-year, the five-year plan for for stand up. I think by the time I'm 29, I would like to be able to be the be the main act, be like the feature act of a <clears throat> of like just a regular show, as in as in like you know maybe a, a Caroline's or something like that. Or I don't know venues because I'm not in the city, so I don't know because I don't want to sound stupid. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right so maybe so the occasional maybe the occasional road gig i would like to also have the podcast to have a good following by ne- by then you know all right that is extremely attainable all of the above so number one how much material do you think you can develop in these next five years in order to make something like that happen i mean i if if i want to be realistic and be good not it's not necessarily being able to 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 like do it because I, I definitely don't want to like force I don't want to like force anything like if I get mm-hmm. that opportunity to be the main guy on a show like I want to yeah. be able to like actually have the material so I'm not going to force it and okay. I'd say like in five years I'd like to be able to have like at least a couple hours you know if I'm able to hit shows every night I'm assuming I'm going to develop more material okay cool 
So I'd say two, um, maybe what, two hours. What is two hours of material, which is another hour and 50 minutes based but on then, what but you then, have. But then I heard this thing the other day. <laughs> it, but then I heard this thing. Did you say it was pretty tough? No, no, no. Okay. You can do anything you want, man. But the thing is, I heard this the other day. I was watching Seinfeld and Spade talk to each other. And sure. this is third party. Seinfeld said he was talking to Rock about how – a great comics life is boiled down to just two hours. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, you can speak in absolutes. That's could be true, but and only a Sith deals in absolutes. That's for my star Wars fans. Out there. <laughs> well, I mean, Jerry's put out so many hours and he has also, you know, got a lot of great, uh, obviously hours of sitcom and, uh, web series. With right. Is, crackle turned netflix show comedians exactly. and cars which i think so, he's done with by the way and i'm a big fan of that uh, but he uh i think he's done i love that show it's a bummer um either way don't i feel like speaking in absolutes kind of is scary especially when you hear from one of the greats it's like one of those things where you know we were talking about earlier with the boomerang effects comics saying stuff to like scare you off keep you in your little box yeah even if jerry doesn't see you as competition um, <laughs> he, might just see, he might just see that but you i mean you saw jerry as competition when you started so who knows you keep uh, saying that i didn't see him as competition i just wanted to like <laughs> i aspired to be like my heroes gotcha okay well you saw jerry's starting as like an important time in your life to also begin correct um yeah anyway so uh my next question based on you saying that in the next five years you could develop two hours, which is easily more than possible. You could probably write that in a couple months. Uh, what is your current writing process for material if this is like your main goal in life? My And it's tough because I thrive off of human interaction. And I'm not able to okay. get a lot of human interaction with okay. what we're going through. So a lot of my material is, and this sounds creepy, but like when I was in college, I would like sit and... Uh, like sit on a public park bench and have my headphones in, but really just listen to passersby and just like, okay, my dogs are freaking out in the background. Love that. <laughs> but, uh, okay. but, uh, and, and like hear what they're saying and be like, that's kind of weird that that situation happened to them. And I would like make note of it, but not write about their lives, but like, how would I react in that situation? Or like a funny anecdote I had in conversation in, in public with a friend or with a random person I would make note of. And it's hard for me to do that because I don't get a lot of human interaction and stuff like that. Gotcha. And and so I, I do a lot of like uh like observational things. I like to draw comparisons to things, like outlandish mm-hmm. comparisons. Like I, I'm working on a joke right now about how the city of Los Angeles is like Turkey, like the food Turkey. Like that's okay. the comparison I'm working on right now because it's just too dry. So that's that's what I'm working <laughs> on right now. And um, that's fun. Uh, as far as like what I do when I write, I write pen to paper, my yellow legal pads and my pen, and I write it out long handed, like verbatim, word for word, uh, cool. AP formatting for those listening, uh, <laughs> AP formatting for all the journalists, yeah, <laughs> for all the journalists. And, um, uh, what I do, I listen to music. I used to listen to a lot of jazz records, but lately I've been watching okay. like, uh, live John Mayer concerts and it's really cool when he starts jamming out on guitar. I feel like my hand is like jamming out on the pen, on the paper. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, when you write, how do you end up determining what is quality and will make the act you, since we're obviously not doing like mics and stuff at the time? I like the, um, oh, what do I call it? The 
I'm trying to think. My dog's also barking in the background. I apologize. I'm trying to think. It's a whole thing I do. Uh, okay, so if it's funny at 9 at night, it'll be funny at 9 in the morning. I like to read it the next day. If I like it the next morning, I feel good about it. It's great philosophy. I like that. And we're back. Uh, my power went out of my house. It is snowing pretty badly out there. But if I do remember correctly, you asked me what my writing process was, and I told you about my, if it's funny at 9 at night, it'll be funny at 9 in the morning. Yeah. That- or, or nine in the morning, nine at night thing. And then I told you how I write to uh, the beat of music, essentially, where I like to be in rhythm with what's going on and, and stuff like that. But uh, I, I don't remember where we're at. I apologize. No, that's that's great. So do you think that that's a sustainable thing for you to continue writing and churning out material? I think it's where you can get like two hours worth of material that if I mean, that's kind of an arbitrary number, but whatever you feel is necessary to become like this headliner type with eight years under your belt. I think it's going to have to be a lot more getting out and talking to people. I don't think like this past year has obviously been really tough on everyone, but like for me mentally, it's been tough uh, trying to come up with new material. Like we're like, what am I going to do all day? Like at my parents' office and, and like well, I'm hanging drywall. How funny is that? Like I can't, <laughs> like, that's tough to, to make some sure. sort of weird. Observer. But it's kind of, it's a kind of mindless though. Yeah, but it's like I, I it, it's just tough for me to like come up with material in that sense, and like when then I come home and just watch the news, and the news is so sad and depressing, and it's like oh, I don't even know if I want to write tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's unfortunately part of the job. Like you got to just do it day in and day out, and treat it like it's your actual job exactly. after hours. Unfortunately, exactly. So even if yeah, it's depressing. Even if it was you were feeling depressed by the news, you'd still go to your day job no, <laughs> I mean, no one's that like makes perfect sense. that makes perfect sense like i just no one's like oh man i can't believe what's happening with trump i guess i'm not gonna go to work <laughs> <laughs> he's like i can't believe what this guy said i'm calling the boss i'm taking a vacation yeah. <laughs> so yeah you, right. you just and, have to treat it like no days off yeah um, and being a funny person you're gonna have to make jokes about uh sad and bad things so you just might as well get used you to don't it. even have to you can make it a, do anything about anything that's true. There's complete freedom. No one has any expectations of you. But as far as the my writing process being sustainable, I think it's – I feel much more comfortable when I'm like alone. Um, when I had that baseball gig and I had a couple roommates, it was like – it was hard for me to be like – it's almost like I wanted to like be free and like then I could like let my thoughts go and I just like, you know, walk around and, and – do this and that and just felt like comfortable in, a, in a, an environment like I lived by myself in college so that whole my whole apartment was like a comedy hut I would like there was and you weren't allowed to be in unless you were funny anything that was in that thing was just like engulfed in humor and okay. so like you know when I had like my outside life when I was working in baseball surrounding me baseball was surrounding me there it was hard mm-hmm. for me to have like my own little bubble of trying to be funny and I and I, it's not like I wasn't funny. It's not like I didn't try to be funny, like in the offices and stuff like that. It was just different. Were you at your absolute funniest when you worked in this comedy hut thing? I I, I felt much more funnier then than I did uh, when I in when I lived in Allentown, Pennsylvania, when I had my baseball gig. And I feel so, funnier, I feel funnier now than I did then too. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, that's good. Because I imagine you have like some actual experience under your belt where you kind of took it like into a more 
uh, formatted kind of direction where you're actually like doing it in a, a way where it's directed at an audience kind of thing as opposed to just like riffing with friends is why what you feel like, funnier now uh, i'm sorry uh can you so like you feel, rephrase that i'm stupid no no no. you feel funnier now than you did at the comedy hut because you've had like real experience as opposed to just like riffing like you yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. easier for you to like see a way or see the path than just kind of like coming up with nothing out of thin air kind of thing yeah yeah it's easier it's like I, my favorite part of writing, and I'm sure you get this too when you're writing something really good, you know where, where – the fun part is like you know what's going to be at the finish line. You can see the finish line, but it's like, oh my gosh, look at this race I get to run to get to the finish line. Look at the between the yeah. legs the I get to do before I slam dunk the ball. The dunk is the after effect. Everybody knows the dunk's coming, but it's what are you going to do while you're in midair? That's like the, the awesome part of the dunk. That's fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's it's, what uh, it is. That is what it is. Um, so when somebody when somebody says something to me and I do like these Instagram lives or TikTok lives or this or that or the other, or even when I'm writing and I, ha- I have the starting point and then gun goes off and I see the finish line and I'm running the race and it's like, oh my gosh, I am killing this race right now. Oh, it feels so good. It's like, it's like I'm jamming out in a guitar solo. It's like I'm about to dunk about it. It's like it feels so good. The best part is the middle when you're like, wait till you get a load of this finisher. Pow. <laughs> Somebody says something crazy in an Instagram live, like, like I'm talking and I have like a QA and somebody asks, like, what's your thought on such and such? And I just give this, you know, this whole soliloquy about X, Y, and Z, and then I get to finish at home. That's the best feeling to me. Nice. I'm sure you can relate. No, yeah, I can, but that's also very good that you get so much joy out of it. Oh, um, you can hear it in my voice inflection right there when I'm talking about I it. I could, yeah. Right? No, you were pumped. Yeah. You were excited for it. Um, all right, so I am curious. Um, the moment a uh, a funny idea comes to you. That is like, instantly uh, getting jotted down. So it gets jotted down. And is it just kind of like a half thought that gets jotted down? Or are you going to spend like three minutes right there kind of plotting it out? Or do you just jot the half idea down and kind of there's allow the, it to it's, simmer it's both. it's both like there's sometimes okay. where i already know where like somebody says like and i did this and i'm like that wasn't funny but if you did this that would be funny and i'll write that down you okay know what i mean got it and then when you actively spend your time jamming out with john mayer and <laughs> right, me and actually mayer writing this is when you expand upon these ideas kind of thing uh yeah 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 so it's like it, it becomes more of a long form thing when i when it's on paper it's very like it's not a lot of I don't know. It's there's not a lot of like one-liners when it's on paper. It's it's like a whole thing. It's like a page a minute essentially. Gotcha. Well, that's a lot. But um, it's not good. It's just filler. Like I need to cut out sure. all the fat. You just gotta but... you just gotta get it out of your system though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it has to exist. Um, yeah, and I'm also very I'm also very afraid that it's gonna go away. Like I'm very worried that like one I day I wake up and I can't find it. So it's like every joke yeah. I've ever written. That's like even if it's absolutely horrible it is documented it's documented i have it on paper i have it it's titled and it's in an accordion folder that's alphabetized excellent that's great i I have had this theory for a long time that uh just writing anything down is like allowing yourself to have a second brain it gives your brain so much space to free up rather than having the anxiety of trying to remember oh my gosh that's such the worst when i'm like it's so crazy because 
like you're at nighttime and you're in bed and you have a thought and it's like, oh, I got to get the paper out. I got to like put it in my notes app. But it's like, I'm so tired and hopefully I remember it in the morning. You know yeah, yeah. I mean? you, you have to do it. It's that's ha- literally the job of being a comedian. I've quoted uh, one of my friends before, but I'll quote another. There's a, a really funny comic named Rebecca Kaplan and she, her pin tweet is great. And it's just someone saying, oh, you're a funny person. Now go ahead and write down every funny thought you've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. That's what the gig is. It's uh, kind of devoting yourself to being obsessive about uh, making sure you document literally every single funny thing. So you have it in your arsenal for later because it just doesn't all exist in the brain. Laughs, as you know, are currency. Totally. And, and, and you, you, you have to have a else your friend group. You see someone else in your friend group getting a laugh, and you're like, "Oh, I could have done better than that." <laughs> I mean, I kind of have reached a point where I stopped caring quite as much. But yeah, I've, I've certainly felt that before. I was playing Quiplash. Um, I was playing Quiplash. You know those Jackbox games, Quiplash? Uh, sort of. I haven't actually played, but I'm. It's I've like Mad Libs, but like with your friends, and I can sit there, and I did this, and I sat there. And I'm like, I see a topic, and I told my friend who's sitting next to me, I said, they're going to make a joke about blah, blah, blah. And then that instantly pops up, and I go, told you. Like, <laughs> it's getting to the point where I know what jokes my stupid friends are going to make. Right. Um, okay. So, we haven't really gotten too far in the therapy session to make this an actionable kind of thing that you can walk away and be like, all right, I'm going to leave this meeting and have a deeper understanding of what I want to do. Okay. Uh, we can get there. in these next five years. Cause usually, I mean, it seems like that was kind of the goal for this one. Um, even though I kind of steered the conversation in that direction. Um, but I think the main thing and I've said this many times that sets like a comic that like blows up uh, versus comics like you or myself from just kind of stagnating and staying in the same place forever is finding like a thing that sort of separates you from the pack. Yeah. And whatever that may be, uh, kind of makes it so you're not just the, uh, comic anymore. Now you are the Baker comic and people are like, Oh, that guy is talks about his experience as a Baker. Right. And now he's that thing, like sort of like Hannah Gadsby, like we were talking about earlier. She has a thing as someone who does kind of like lecture style comedy that's much more intricate and kind of cerebral than what you'd normally hear. So I guess what we need to determine right now is what's the what thing that makes, makes you different? Me, me. What makes yeah. me? Yeah. And you've got the baseball scout thing, which however short lived it was, is pretty interesting well, I would, if um, you were the I, baseball scout comic, you could find yourself being the guy that like goes on our baseball and you have all these jokes about your scout experience and people are like, I'm a fan of that guy. And you've built yourself a whole fan. Base. I haven't. I see. I thought about that, but I have an issue with like, I don't want to be necessarily like the sports guy because I like joking about like everything. You know what I mean? Dude, that's fine. If it's not your thing, then we find the next thing. No, but uh, I mean, like. But then there's also the other thing that made me me was like, I'm from the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. I'm from a city that drank toxic water for decades. They made it like the government came in, gave me like $500 in hush money. It was a whole thing. <laughs> and like, that's a Wait, very gave very, every citizen. of Yeah. Gave every citizen hush money. Yeah. $500. Yeah. That was the hush. Interesting. And, do, you have, do you have jokes about this exact I'm, story? 
I think I I want to craft like the like this is what I want like you know that's that cornerstone joke that you're essentially talking about. Yeah. That's kind of what I want it to be, but I don't know how to make it like the funniest. So what I did here's this is like not this is bit. it. This is what it's all about. This Let's is hear not it. a bit. Oh, this is not a bit. This is actually happening. Sure. So I got the hush money and I immediately bought a PlayStation Two and a WWE video game and I played it for two days and never touched it again. So that's the like compensation I got for drinking chemicals for ten years. <laughs> and I don't know how to like make that a thing, but I think that's a very unique experience. Like hardly anyone else has. Well, I mean, we all got the twelve hundred dollars this year and did the same kind of thing. Okay, well, never mind. That's gone. So, you, no, no, no. It's not gone. You were the original man. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, but no, like I. You, uh, you knew ahead. all about it. You you were ahead of the game. I guess. I guess. But uh, it's it's funny that they're compensating. You know, this potentially devastating thing with five hundred dollars and as hush money. Like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can I certainly mean, extrapolate on that. There's a documentary on Netflix about it. Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway made a movie about it. It's a whole thing. I mean, I'd like to hear. Uh, oh, was that the Ruffalo Dark Waters? Movie? Yep, that's that it, man. That's my hometown, dude. Dude, you well, a put that in the joke. Um, <laughs> All I got was Anne Hathaway and a stunning performance. <laughs> well, I kind of I want to go macro with it. To be completely honest, I want to hear about like what everyone in your town spent money on, not just you. Like, I want to. Not no, well, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Or you could, or you could zoom out. Exactly. I think you can do some research, uh, and turn it into a big thing, like what everyone spent their money on, and you know, obviously, pan for gold on that and find out what yeah. is good and what doesn't really stick, and then maybe some people did like really impressive things, and then we get to you and you literally just bought bought a PlayStation, a PS, yeah. a PS two, not even a PS three, <laughs> and. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was uh, market value. Oh yeah, I was um, in like fifth grade and. <laughs> yeah, they gave. Oh, you didn't. You left that out. It's important to know that you were in fifth grade. Yep, I was in fifth grade. No, like I they gave like, a fifth grader five hundred dollars. That's like unbelievable. That is infinite money to a fifth grader. Yeah, that's an important detail as well. I'm buy. I could buy every book at the Scholastic Book Fair. And, there and you go. Yeah. All the you please list everything you could have bought. Uh, go wild on that. I think that's really funny. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I do need to find something that makes me uh, unique. I like to think I'm a good storyteller, but there's a ton of good storytellers out there, and I like to think that that's like you comparing yourself to everybody else, though, man. I'm not. I'm trying. I'm not trying to compare myself. What, I'm just saying, like, what separates you as a storyteller then, rather than what makes other people good or successful? Are you asking what, me? Or are you what, saying I need? Yeah, to yeah. No, oh no, no. What makes your stories different than others? I grew up in storytelling. My dad was a storyteller. He was a pastor and a businessman. So every week, growing up in my childhood, I watched him do an hour of new material every week. That's got to be pretty inspiring. Yeah. So it's like if that guy can create something out of thin air, then I think I could. You know, I think I could too. And. I think his ability to relate to like he would go to like he I know a lot of people have negative connotations with religion and and I myself think the big business of Christianity is disgusting but my dad did it the right way my dad would go to you know he would go to the crack houses he would go to the prisons he would go to like where like you know under bridges and stuff like that and like speak to these poor underprivileged downtrodden people and and give them positive like a positive outlook on life. And that's really what I want to do is make like leave people happier than when they came into the room. Gotcha. This isn't, so, I'm not, I'm no, not no, a, my dad messed me up guy. I'm not a, my dad messed me up guy. That's not me. No, it sounds like your dad's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Nice um, guy. 
uh, I think that's a really good direction to know that you want to go in, like to be uh, a positive impact on people's life oh, yeah. is a important, uh, direction for you to know for all of your writing, like mm-hmm. say, does this kind of meet that criteria every time you write a bit? Like, is this, uh, something my dad would do the equivalent of as a pastor? Like negative it... anything that i do in my act <laughs> is not but i don't curse my i don't curse my act right so it is a lot of your material uh not meet this standard then like is it not uh this positive kind of like bringing joy to people's life kind of thing uh it's more I, I observational? I, like like to me like laughter is the essence of joy so it's like as long as yeah. i make them laugh essentially like that's what i'm looking for you know what i mean okay yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, how I get there. If if I feel comfortable with it, if it meets my, if it passes my test, then it's it's cool to me, you know. But it's gotcha. funny because like my favorite comedians and the ones that I like the most are like thought provoking guys, and they come up with an issue that's like hot. And I can never do this, but like it's my favorite to watch. They have like a hot button issue, and they find a way to intertwine it to way to where it doesn't sound as bad, and then they give you like some really thought provoking punchline where it's like oh my gosh it can like change people's opinion on things and that's not what you want to do that's, that's what, just I what you do. like that's, oh, that's what, what i want to do, do but i'm not good enough to do that you know what i mean dude you are man the moment you say you're not good enough is the moment that you are not good enough you have to believe man okay believing is the first tenet. step to achieving well yeah, every dude your pastor father would say the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> I, I i do um Lately, I have been trying to do these affirmation things where I write down on paper every night or say to myself 10 times, uh, whatever. So I'll say, like, I'm a great comedian 10 times or write that down or say, like, I'm successful and people yeah. like me and I like me. So I'm trying. I, I am on that train. I'm doing that. It's good. Yeah. And um, so it sounds like we kind of hit on a nerve right there, though, which is you saying you're not good enough to write these kinds of bits have you tried to write these kinds of bits that are being yeah, thought-provoking yeah, yeah, yeah. inversions like, of uh, kind of hot-button issues? Yeah, like I, I've I have jokes about like um, there was one I wrote and it's never been released, but it's like I saw you know those life hack things. Yeah. Uh, one of them was about ways that people can look thinner, and mm-hmm. one of them was this woman wrapped herself in saran wrap and she looked significantly thinner when they put clothes on her. Like didn't even look like the same person. They wrapped, mummified her in saran wrap. Sure. And I was like, it's very ironic that not one of these options for the people were like working out, exercising, losing weight and stuff like that. Like none of those were options. And then the joke was because like, if I, if it gets to the end of night and I take you home and I have to unwrap you like Thanksgiving leftovers, there's going to be a problem like that. Like I could (laughs) never, like, that's just, but then you look at me it's and not it's bad. Like, but then you look at me and I don't look like the type of guy that could deliver material like that. Yeah, if it's not you, it's not you though. Fair if enough. that if that joke isn't you, then unfortunately you may have to drop it. But it's yeah, a good joke. Exactly. Uh, well, I'm still, I, that, I mean fun. like I mean that's the thing, it's like, you know But is that is that the type of joke you want to continue writing though? But then you're I, like, I would like you to... look at me and it makes me feel like uncomfortable. Right. Like like um when you see yourself, so you're kind of in like a little thought prison yourself where you're like, I write these jokes that I really like and wish I could do, but that's not who I am. And I have to kind of force myself to write these other jokes that aren't necessarily think, me, but I'm more just, how I others think, perceive me. 
right now, I think, well, obviously, it's a big perception thing. Everybody's worried about the way they're being perceived, and I myself fall victim to that. But Same, it's yeah. like, um, like I, I'll write stuff down, and like I was like, okay, I really want to get, like, I haven't written a good setup punchline in a long time. I want to write a good setup punchline. And then other times, it's like, oh, I want to oh, write may a good... May I give you a tip for that? What's that? May I give you a, a tip for writing a good setup punchline? Sure. I'll take anything. Yeah, yeah. So there's a website called comedywire.com are you familiar mm-hmm. with it is it like half finished jokes and it's like weekend update where i get to finish it exactly i was looking yeah. for one the other night and now i know one thank you yeah basically it's just uh you get to exist in a writer's room essentially they have like daily contests where you can win money writing and uh they just have every headline and people write their best punchline that sounds so awesome i'll definitely i feel like spending out. a lot of time writing setups is one of the greatest downfalls of stand-up because we're in the business of writing the joke, like the oh, punchline, but you spend dude, hours like stories, looking my stories for are something all funny to even up. talk about. <laughs> my stories yeah. are just all set up, bro. And I know that. Like, So this might be a good exercise for you then. Yeah. To just say, all right, I'm going to bypass the writing the setup and dreading the you know page-long thing. The setup's done. Right. I can't change it. And I've talked about how I wanted to be, I talked about how I wanted to be a good thought provoking, you know, like make people laugh type of, obviously make people laugh, but like make people really think about something type of comic. But then there, and I'm not a political comic guy. I don't, I don't really mess with that. I don't think I'm, I I don't really want to do that. And then I also said, I want to get good at set up punchlines. So really, I think if you look at both ends of those spectrum, where you have the storytelling type of thought provoking, you have the set up punchline type of quick hitting guy. I think really what I want to do is just be really good. And I haven't figured out how it fits me to be really good. I think I'm just in, in, um, what it was, I don't know what you say. Just in pro I'm just in process of figuring out how I can use all my skills to become really good. Um, all right. So back to your writing process then when you spend, let's say an hour a night writing, are you writing multiple ideas or are you just honing in on one thing? No, there's definitely, there's, there's sometimes where it's one big thing. And then there's some nights where I'll have like three or four ideas. Okay. I feel as if you just focus on one thing. So like, let's just go back to the dark water thing because that's a political and B also kind of personal and meets like the inverting uh, kind of heavy stuff with your own point of view. Right. Uh, is like a good example. I think like literally just taking an hour to sit down and work on just that versus, uh-huh. you know, all these different ideas that bounce in your head is a really good way to actually cut to the core of the joke and find out what is so funny to you about it rather than, you know, being uh, beholden to like 15 different ideas in your head. They can come in just jot them down and file them <laughs> right. they can come in yeah <laughs> yeah man they're, they're a loud entrance but yeah i feel like being a stand-up is allowing yourself to be ocd and being open to every single idea and never allowing yourself to focus yeah as opposed to just like saying i'm only gonna write about dark water yeah. might feel like an essay or a ted talk but once you get everything down then you can kind of slim it and uh just focus on that for a month even you know yeah. and then you could do a half hour on this experience because you lived it your whole family lived it your whole town lived it yeah like it, it's huge and like they made movies about it like no one's done stand-up about it that i know of like it, it's interesting could be 
it could be very uh but then but then thing. and then and then here goes back to me and i'm so uh, constantly and i have no no clout i have no fame all this and that and the other and i'm so worried about how i'm being perceived you know what i mean it's very weird that me at such a low level i'm worried about how i'm being looked at but it's like i don't want to make a joke about my West Virginia life. And then I, all of a sudden yeah. the only gigs I get, I'm doing new Smyrna beach and I'm doing Chattanooga and I'm doing all these country towns and stuff like that. I don't want to be like the blue collar. Cause, cause, cause sure. people from people from West Virginia just like have like the outside world just has such negative connotations about the type of people that are from here that well, maybe um, your act is subverting those expectations. I guess so. But like, I just, yeah, I kind of want it to be like an afterthought. Like, I don't want people to be like, oh, that guy. I mean, if you're from here, that's all they'll talk about is he's from here. But if you're from the outside world, like, I want it to be an afterthought. I don't want it to be like, oh, he's the West Virginia guy. Like, right. So I would, I would I guess, much yeah. rather, I would much rather people just be like, he's the guy who told XYZ joke or he's like, he's just the funny, funny, nice guy. I don't know. But now we got to figure out what XYZ joke is. That, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll stay up till three in the morning tonight, probably <laughs> racking my brain of what, what yeah. those jokes. Are. No, dude, there's, dude, get some good night's sleep. Get a good night's sleep, please. Take, uh, my wife turned me on to melatonin. It's fantastic. I, I, I want to stay up late. I want to dabble in that. It's good. It's, uh, it's just like a little candy that we take before bed, and then we sleep through. That's a, that sounds nice. It's so much better. I can't believe i never did it before and i would just stay up till 3 a.m and then be like ah oh, where is, is there anything that you definitely wanted to ask me uh before you get out of here i know you gotta run all right yeah so what can you do to make these next five years uh where you achieve all these dreams obviously you can look up all these clubs that you were talking about before and do the research necessary you can reach out to comics that you admire um, but how do you find it within yourself to get to this next level and write the jokes that you are really proud of and aspire to write? Um, it's, it's all about repetition and it's like these podcasts to me that I get to do with fellow funny people are reps, you know what I mean? And yeah. the zoom shows I get to do are reps and me not being in an area where I get to actually do formal stand up every night. I have to take every rep like it's an actual game. And so my goal is within the next five years to get to a major metropolitan area, obviously hit the mics every night, do the writing, continue to do my podcast and like just become a, a really well-rounded speaker and, and, and like storyteller. That's really a good, like that's a big plan of mine. Well, getting the reps is important, but it's kind of hard because it is sort of predicated on like with the podcast, you're the bone booking, but then you have to, you know, rely on others for those reps so uh i think getting the reps of forcing yourself to write every day mm -hmm. if this is the dream and i have been good about that i have been good about that yeah writing thank god and then say you say you write it all and then you know you're kind of like well i'm booked on the show that's pretty good uh there's this kind of mind prison where you're like i have to do the a material on the show because it's pretty good i think reaching a point where you're allowing yourself to do this new stuff that you wrote is kind of the next step mm -hmm. toward freedom where you're like, okay, I can leave that stuff behind. I know it's good. And I can finally sort of come out of my shell. Like, is that something that you do as well on these shows that you're on at the moment? Well, like use new material or what? 
yeah as opposed to saying i've got 12 really good minutes and i'm gonna go back to that yeah 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 like when i was first starting out and and uh (laughs) steve burns straight up told me you're an idiot for doing this um (laughs) when i was first starting out like every time i would go to a mic i would i was only only able to hit like a couple a week i Mm -hmm. every every show i'd have a new five and he's like yeah he's like stop doing that now i don't know why (laughs) i don't know why you would be doing that but like I, i immediately stopped doing that and um and I, that was more so when I was in college and less after I'm before and after I met Steve, but I had been doing it. And so after that, it's like really honing in on, on like, what is on my five. good five and like throwing stuff intertwined here and like maybe open with the clothes or do something else. And then like the stories I tell and like, so those zoom, I know people like mock the zoom mics and stuff like that, but for a guy like me, who's not in a major Metro area, like I yeah. have to like, I have to tell a really good story and Joey luckily enough, like lets me on. And so every time I'm on his show or he lets me host, like I deliver a whole new story and talk for 10 minutes or however long my story is. And just that's like, impressive. Yeah. That's, I just try really hard to make sure I get quality reps in. Dude, that's good. It sounds like you're on the right path. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. You're putting all the, the work in. And if you just continue doing this, like we said earlier, for the five, excuse me, the three to twenty year plan. Three to whew, three, dude, three or twenty, dude. Just keep going, and it'll happen. Well, I've already passed the three, so I guess I'm the twenty. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you got noticed, and you have this show now. You host this show. <laughs> yeah, you made man. the step. Uh, I, so, I'm, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in the next five years with with the both of us. I think this idea that you have is it's unique. Um, I don't think a lot of people, I think, I mean, comics need therapists because they get up on stage and basically have a whole therapy session, but I think they (laughs) talk to regular people about this too. Uh, but they talk to, um, you know, other, uh, funny people. And for you to be that outlet, I think that's, I think that's a brilliant idea, man. I hope this was helpful in any way. And you kind of come away from it with some, new focus that you didn't know uh, i definitely will and i'll definitely listen back to it and uh I'll, I'll honestly will probably uh uh get this done download and like put it out maybe later tonight i don't know maybe get it out by eight o'clock and uh and uh i don't know maybe go to sleep to it i feel like this is a very good like <laughs> this is a I'm this happy is to like put a, you to sleep dude <laughs> our version of like the calm app this is very cool yeah yeah it's a it's a much more uh like I said, probing and less funny kind of podcast, but but you like know what you did though. You know yeah. what you did. Like I really don't know if we like delve deep enough. You suckered me in. I'm definitely gonna have to pay you for a session sometime. Possibly, yeah. I feel like for you, um, a good session would be talking material. <laughs> um, Dude, I think you're not, say, that, yeah. not that it's bad because I feel like you have kind of a vision already, so it's kind of not exactly the best use of your time. I don't even know what the vid, like, I, I need an outsider's perspective. So I need to know what you see that I'm not seeing, you know? It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, like saying being the funny, nice guy, though, is like what everyone is. Exactly. Uh, when you, yeah, it, it's the finding what makes you a little different. Ah, uh, even, ah. Like I said, you've got the baseball scout, you've got West Virginia. Great. And kind of like saying, all right, I fit into this box sort of now it's time to like exploit it a little bit. Yeah. Exploit the box, man. Exploit because once you become like a thing, I feel like the best example is, do you know, Shane Torres? 
Shane Torres. The name sounds familiar. He is a comic that is originally from Portland and moved to New York. And he honed this bit about why Guy Fieri isn't as bad as everyone says. Mm-hmm. It was on Conan for years. I feel like I saw him workshop it for a long time. Did it on Conan and it blew up. He found a thing. Like uh-huh. it's just like the the dark water thing. Yeah, where he was like, I am focusing solely on Guy Fieri and why he's actually great and people making fun of him have totally the wrong idea. And by you like taking this dark water thing on and seeing it through the lens of someone that was actually affected by it. It's interesting because, I mean, I didn't see dark water, but from what I read, it was kind of like a dull prestige piece that was sort of on the straight and narrow as opposed to like anything that was, I mean, I didn't see it, but I can't imagine it was super nuanced i'm the documentary the documentary on netflix called the devil we know is much more informative i mean i would like to hear about that in stand-up i feel like in stand-up it's a lot of kind of anecdotes and observational stuff but if you tackle something that has the scary thing is we don't know what's going to happen to us in the future that's a scary thing but wait that's for another day yeah i mean yeah but you can still release it and just do something with it right oh yeah Uh, i'm absolutely with you like covering this thing in West Virginia, way more interesting than, you know, just talking about like how LA is like Turkey. <laughs> hey, it is as just funny too, as that is. <laughs> it is just too dry. Okay. So, so the, and my mom absolutely eviscerated me for this. And I think my mom is a big <laughs> No, it's family. a funny joke, but my like mom, the I'm dark water thing mom. is something I'm I my mom, but This is for like an actual therapist that they'll yeah. hear about this part. But, uh, but no. So she, I was telling her, and this is it. I'll close with this because I know you got to get out of here. But yeah, uh, I was. It was about how uh, it's the holiday season, and every year around this time of year, we see on the news the freeways in Los Angeles absolutely full. One way you see all red, the other way you see all white, and those are headlights and taillights. And it makes me wonder why Los Angeles is a destination spot. If it's such a destination, why do people always leave on holidays? We don't do this for anything else. Okay, nothing else does this. Okay, so we eat turkey once a year. Turkey is a destination. The rest of the year, we're not going, how come we don't eat turkey more often? Because on the destination, you eat the turkey, and much like L.A., it's just too dry. And there it is. (laughs) That's fun. Um, I feel like uh, it's one of those things where you build and you have us, and then it's just sort of you take it out. I feel like you can build way more. Oh, well, this that was the half-hearted. This is one night only. Not bad. You know? It's not bad. No, I'm not saying it's bad, but I, feel I don't. Like... And I will say this: I'm not like. Yeah. I'm gaining more confidence. I think I am funny. I don't. I just don't think I'm like an absolute killer. But I mean, that's going to take years. Yeah, I think that's just being three years in. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I do. Most, I do think most I was important much, thing is. I do think I was much better than funny. I was. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've got the affirmation down, which I think is helping. Well, thank you. Yeah, man, you are funny. Thank you. There it is. I am funny. All right. Is there anything uh, you would like to plug? Anything? Um, my wife and her mom do a weekly uh reading of a show, uh, on and it's called Dragonfly Multicultural Arts Center. Okay. And uh, you can follow it on Facebook. Is what I will plug. That's very nice that you would plug your wife's show. I saw uh, a picture sitting right next to me. (laughs) Can I say something to her? Yeah, I'll put it. You want to have her on the pod for a sec? Yeah, just real quick. I want to say something to her. Here she is. Here's Anna. Anna, this is Franklin. Hello. Hi. Can you okay. hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. I saw a picture of you. Matt took uh, of you at a baseball game, and I saw you had a score book in your hand. Yeah, I keep score at the games. That is so cool. I, <laughs> I think that is awesome. Oh, thank you. I feel it helps me pay attention more, and then I have a little special souvenir of the game. I learned from Keith Hernandez on the SNY telecast for the yeah. Mets. I, oh, I loved getting Mets games when I was doing the scouting stuff. They have the best broadcast booth easily. Like, Oh, so yeah. Cool. I'm a huge fan. That was that was one part of my gig was doing like the actual scoring of the game, but having to break it down to the 10th degree. But that was it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Yeah, I love it. So I, I hope that we can go to live games this coming season and I can keep score again. That is also my goal. But thank you very much for joining us. That's really cool that you do that. Uh, Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Of course. Here, I'll hand you back to Matt. All right. Sounds good. That was my wife. That was Matt's wife, everyone. The lovely Anna, <laughs> right? Anna? Yeah. Anna oh, Pam. Lovely. Lovely. All right. Hey, Matt, thank you very much for being on, my friend. Uh, this my helped pleasure, a lot. Dude. I needed to have my own uh, therapy session, I guess. And, and everyone watching, now you know why I am the way I am, I guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks again for having me, dude. Have a good one, man. That's true. Uh, all right. See ya.